penetren en tu alma, culpable. No puedes entrar por él. ¿Y sabes qué? En el cielo no hay otra ventana atrás para intentar entrar. Estás encadenado, pero Cristo está ahí con sus brazos abiertos. Él te ama tanto. Él quiere darte perdón y darte vida eterna, vida en abundancia. Missions is like one man letting another man down into a septic tank. It's going to be a dirty and difficult job for the guy going down. But either way, the guy going down or the guy supporting the guy that's going down, your hands are going to hurt. Show me the scars on your hands. What has missions cost you? Missions. It is the greatest call that anyone could possibly have. The greatest call to be a preacher of the gospel. Where are the young men and women of the next generation that are willing to stand up and claim him who claimed them? Where are the preachers of the gospel that are willing to go to the uttermost parts of the world to preach the gospel and make Christ's name great among the nations? Right now we are deep in the jungle between villages, We've been walking for about an hour. We got four more hours to go to get to the village Sausa. Um, I've got Javen and Cohen and Josiah with me and six other brothers from the church uh, trekking through the jungle, hoping to get to this next village where we can share the gospel, pass out tracts and, and preach the word in the main square. Um, we're really hoping we make it without uh, any difficulties. Very muddy, very muggy, but uh, this is the life. Serving the Lord, preaching His Word in the jungles of Peru. Oh, welcome everyone. Uh, I was asked to give a little introduction, but it seems kind of pointless after that. <laughs> um, Micah and Amy Tuttle have been on the hearts of Cornerstone, its missions team, and elders for quite a few years now. Uh, you know, we take a missions collection every quarter, second month of each quarter, and Micah and Amy share in that, so you know your sacrifices are well invested. And when you hear these stories, you'll be amazed. You saw quite a few clips there of Micah out preaching. It's like the book of John, when John says at the end, of all the things the Lord did were to be written down, the world itself could not contain the books. Well, the CDs could not contain the clips of Micah preaching different places, different times over the years. He's devoted to the Lord, and we're proud to have him with us and his family. He brought, uh, what, six specimens of Peruvians with you, did you? A little short to tall. No, kids. Three boys and three girls. We'll let you introduce them here in a little bit. So we'll just turn it right over to Micah. You can use that one. Um, I guess to start off, I would like to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your support, tremendous support and prayers. We know... A lot of you pray for us, and um, some of you write us every once in a while, and uh, uh, just last month, you all sent us uh, $470 uh, a few months before that, I think it was 526 and uh, it's just neat to be able to be here in person to say thank you, your support is, uh, is a, tr a tremendous encouragement to us. Um, Amy is sitting over there, she won't want to stand up, I won't make her family stand up, but Amy's over there, she is an unbelievable mom and wife. She is a tremendous blessing to me. She's with our littlest who was born uh, just three and a half months ago, Elia. 
She uh, is a little girl, of course, with that name. And, um, and then up, going up from there, we have Maya. She's six, and Josiah's nine, and Bria's 11, and Cullen is 15, and Javen is 16. We have like the ultimate family, and we just keep on having kids because they come, keep on coming out so good. <clears throat> um, they're a tremendous blessing. Um, uh, we have conventions of the river churches that get together. Uh, there's about 30 different villages that I visit in a circuit, trying to visit e- each one of these villages, um, preaching the gospel, open-air preaching every time I go there, uh, trying to encourage the brethren in these villages also, uh, train the, the leaders. And every six months we have what we call a convention where the b- believers, the brothers and sisters from these villages, all come together, they converge upon one village, and, uh, and usually we have teaching for about eight to ten hours a day. Uh, one, in one convention I was teaching uh, after I'd been teaching for about four hours and it's hot and it's difficult and uh, after about four hours you start to see everybody's heads start to go down and they're trying to stay awake and I remember after about four hours there's all this commotion at the back of the church building there and, and everybody's jumping up and screaming and this guy runs in with a machete and I was wondering what in the world is going on? People are on top of their chairs and what it was is a poisonous viper had come into the back of the meeting. The guy with his machete cut the head off and then everything was fine. Everybody sat back down. Everybody was energized and listening, uh, awake. So uh, I've instructed Nick to let a snake go a little bit later if people start sleeping. No, I haven't really. Um, If you have a Bible, open to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verses 32 to 40. This is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. This passage is awesome. Hebrews 11, verses 32 to 40. I, I don't want to do an exposition of the text, so please don't blame me afterwards saying that wasn't very good exposition. Um, I just want to kind of use the text as an encouragement to you, um, a challenge to you to live for the Lord and to not waste your life. John Piper writes a book, Don't Waste Your Life. Maybe some of you have seen the videos of it, but uh, that is something that just kind of rings in my ears. Don't waste your life. And there are plenty of missionaries, pastors, full-time workers. It is easy just to get caught up on Facebook and Twitter and waste your life. And so I'm just going to preach to myself tonight. Don't get offended. Maybe I have this gift of offending people, it seems like. So um, anyway, if you get offended, that's okay. I won't be offended that you're offended. Um, <clears throat> but Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 to 40. Let me read this. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, of Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. 
were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Let's pray. Father God, thank You so much for the opportunity to be Your ambassadors here on earth, chosen to be Your sons and daughters, chosen to preach an everlasting gospel to a lost world. We pray, Lord, that You might encourage us, inspire us, spur us on to love and good deeds, and even to to suffer, if need be, to make Christ's name great in maybe some of the most difficult places in the world. We pray, Lord, that You would um, raise up preachers and evangelists, Bible teachers, missionaries from this congregation, And Lord, that maybe even some of them would go to the worst places in the battle. Lord, I thank You for this this church, this assembly of believers that is involved in missions and that is involved in making Christ's name great here in this place in Des Moines. And I just pray, Lord, that that You would push us um, to even do more. Pray that You might be magnified tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. John Wesley said this, Give me 100 men who fear nothing but sin in their own lives and desire no one but God and God alone. I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen. They alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon earth. I love that quote. Give me 100 men. I don't care if they're pastors or garbage men. As long as they fear Sin and nothing else. Sin in their own life. Fear that. That will render you useless. Fear sin in your own life. And then desire no one but God and God alone. God will do amazing things with people like that. These verses, verses 32 to 35a, the first section there, the writer of Hebrews is just, it's like he's going through Hebrews 11 and he's talking about man after man, woman after woman that did amazing feats uh, by faith. Trusting in our great God and going out and fighting his battles. And he's, it's like he comes to this point where he's just, one more so I say, I don't have time to talk about all the stories. There's Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle. All of these stories, and you can read this and think about all these stories in the Old Testament, Testament about David and the things that he did, Samuel and the things that he did, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, quenching the violence of, of fire. All these different stories can just come to mind real quick. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Basically, that first section, talking about men and women who through faith saw victory. They saw success. It's not always that way. The, the next section, it says others were tortured. 
In the second half of the passage there, it kind of switches. These other people, they, by faith, suffered and experienced terrible difficulties. I just want to give a couple of examples. First, in that first section, these men and women seen victory, success, in everything that they did as they, they tried to live for the Lord. Um, and, and for the most part, part, we haven't suffered that much. I'll give a few examples of suffering later. But um, the success, or at least the victory, it, it's been exciting. And, and I don't want to count success in numbers, but just the opportunity to get up on a table in the middle of the main square of the city and preach like a madman. And people looking at you, you are a madman from far away. But then, little by little, they start to draw near. And sometimes there's, there's 150, 200 people that'll just draw, draw near. I've preached for three hours without a microphone until my voice is gone. People beginning, I got an email today. It was such an encouragement, an email today of an American that he, he's in Connecticut right now. I had no idea who he was. He said, James. And then he said, if you didn't, don't remember who I am, I'm that gringo that heard you preach just about a month and a half ago. You're up on a table preaching like a madman in the middle of the square of your city. And, and just a gringo, he was there, and afterwards he came up and talked to me. He was studying, he came to our city to study to be a shaman, a witch doctor. He, he got saved in Tarapoto, now he's back in Connecticut, and he just wrote me, uh, really encouraging me. It was such an encouragement because sometimes... I'm surrounded by drunks that are mocking me as I preach. But just, I see it as victory and success. People hearing the gospel. The best and most costliest, the ultimate message that there is. We ought to be about preaching the gospel. John Wesley said this also. Somebody came up to him and, and, and asked him, why do so many people come to hear you preach? Thousands of people would come and hear him preach. And he said, I light myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. That is, that is exactly what I want to do. Light yourself. Yeah, God lights you on fire. But you're responsible for the choices that you make. You decide if you're going to be mind over mattress in, in the morning and beat the mattress and get out of bed and read your Bible memorize, pray, light yourself on fire, and little by little, as you get up and you begin to preach, or, or God uses you in your gifting, whether it's collecting garbage, doing it for the Lord, or it's preaching, doing it for the Lord, people are going to come and watch you burn. It is interesting to see someone burn. Conventions along the river. I already talked about, uh, there's about 30 villages that I visit kind of in a circuit. I try to go one week out of every month on the river, um, preaching and teaching. I'll usually do uh, in one trip about five or six villages. Sometimes I'll take one of my kids or two of my kids with me, um, and then a couple of brothers from the church in Tarapoto that we started, and uh, trying to make disciples as we go, but then spending about 24 hours in a village, and then going on to the ne next village, 24 more hours in that village, then on to the next village, usually about five or six villages, five or six days, and then back in Tarapoto with my family and the church that we're uh, working with there that we started 
started uh, a few years ago now. But uh, we have these conventions, like I was saying, every six months, where these guys, men and women, come. And a lot of times in the village, in, in most of the villages, the church is about ten believers, maybe five believers. And they are so excited to come together at the convention because there they're going to be together with 300 or 350 brothers and sisters that have come from the different villages and they are so excited to sit for hours to hear God's Word taught. Sometimes, yeah, it's long, it's hot, and you've got to let a snake go in the back. But uh, it is so encouraging. One time I got to the convention and this guy was there and he had, been, he had come rowing his canoe three days to get to the convention. Three days rowing. And I, I asked him, how did you do that? <laughs> Three days? Yeah, he stopped in a village and slept, and then he'd row all day and sleep in another village, row all day and finally get there. How did you do that? And he said, each stroke, he was just rowing saying, I'm going to be with the brothers. I'm going to be with the brothers. And I just thought, man, sometimes on Sunday morning you get up and you, you're thinking, man, I have to be with the brothers. I have to go be with the brothers. Do I have to go? But these brothers and sisters just longing, longing to be with the brothers and hearing more of God's Word. Um, Bibles into the hands of some of these. Uh, I have the opportunity to preach. There's uh, Wycliffe, uh, Bible translators, uh, put a radio station um, close to our um, city where we live. There's, there's really... There is village after village after village that, that I'm trying to visit where the, the only uh, uh, missionaries in, in the whole region, uh, and there's just village after village, thousands of villages, and no one is visiting these villages. They're just normal, mestizo Peruvians, and each village has 300, 400 people, some of them 1,000 people. Uh, most missions are going after uh, the, the tribal groups that are deep in the jungle. They're small groups. Yeah, it's very necessary. It's a great work that they've done. But they're just, there's village after village of thousands of villages. And each one of these villages, hundreds of people. And, and some of these villages, no churches, no... I, just, I, visit, I try to visit 30 villages. I can't really do any more. I'm spread so thin already. We need help. Maybe somebody here will say, we're coming down. You guys should just form a team as a church. Form a team and come visit us. And You don't even have to eat the worms. And, and there's another video that's on there that I'm eating the wild boar brains, that wild boar that, that was shot there. I, I ate some of the brains. It wasn't very good. But uh, it was exciting. It was exciting. But we just, there's so much to do. There's so much need. Um, but uh, I just... In, in comparing it to this first section in Hebrews 11, thinking of the victory and success that these men and women saw by faith. And I just feel victorious in the Lord being able to preach the gospel in each of these villages and seeing brothers and sisters coming, wanting to hear the preaching of God's Word so that they can go back to their villages and preach God's Word. And the opportunity, I was going to say, Wycliffe start, put this radio station in and every time I go to this uh, radio station, I'm able to preach and, and the, the radio waves go all over the Amazonian jungle and uh, every once in a while, Wycliffe, Wycliffe has this conference where there'll be natives from different native groups that will come sometimes traveling weeks to get there and uh, there's a brother in a church in Houston that sends us uh, John MacArthur study Bibles 
that I try to get out to some of the leaders and preachers in some of these villages. And, and I remember one guy, he wanted to John MacArthur study Bible so badly. All he had was a New Testament that he was preaching from in, in his village. And there, there was no full Bible in his village. And he was the only one that had a, a New Testament. And he was preaching. And when he saw a John MacArthur study Bible, a, a Bible that had uh, commentary on almost every verse, he just couldn't believe it. And he begged me for this Bible. He, this is a few years ago now. He, he traded me... Uh, he said, I want to pay you for it. Here, I will pay. I don't have any money. I'll pay you in an alligator. He gave me an alligator. It was about this little baby alligator. He paid me with an alligator. I got home. I gave him the Bible. It was, it was awesome. I gave him the Bible. He was in tears holding his, his Bible, and he gave me my alligator. I was in tears holding. I loved it. I got home, and it was in a cardboard box, and I told the kids, look at what I've got in there. They're always excited when I get home. There was, when we, I got home, and they're all running up. That wasn't staged. Somebody said, that looks staged. It's not staged. And, um, I just thought, whenever I get home, it's fun to video because everybody's excited, and they jump on top of me, but they saw the camera, so they kind of toned it down. Um, but anyway, I got home, and I showed the, the box, and all the kids, what'd you bring? What'd you bring? Because a lot of times, I'll bring different things from the villages, and, and look in the box, and they open it up, and they start an alligator they were so excited and amy wasn't as excited but uh the alligator has since escaped we have no idea it might be in the septic tank but uh it is so neat along the lines of victory and success seeing the lord work it has been so neat to see how the lord has provided for our needs so i could give story after story about how the lord has provided it's been so neat um uh, uh a brother from the United States here came and, and visited us. He, he saw the work uh, in Tarapoto and along the river in the different villages. And he said, hey, you guys, you, could, you need a boat for the ministry. And I told him, really, we, we can continue on without a boat. Uh, there's like these taxi boats. And sometimes you have to wait a day for the next taxi to come. And you just sit there on the shore with the brothers. And it's a great time. But sometimes you, you can't get to the next village when you want to. And so the brother said, well, uh, we want to give you a boat. Just look into how much it would cost. And a lot of times missionaries get secondhand stuff that's not very good. And uh, just look into something. Build a brand new boat, a brand new motor, everything. Tell me how much it would cost. Give us a quote and we'll see what we can do. And I looked into it and saw it was going to be about 40,000 soles, uh, $14,000. And I wrote him an email and, and I thought, this is, yeah, too much, but thanks for offering uh, just a few few weeks later, he writes back and says, okay, we've approved it. There's $14,000 in your bank account. Go build the boat. Send us some pictures. I just, it, it was so encouraging and to see that that was something that we could continue the ministry without it, but it was just, it was something that's a tremendous help in the work and to see how God provided for it without even asking for it. Just praying and seeing the Lord, Lord provide. Uh, there was uh, about two years ago now or a year and a half ago major flooding in the villages that I visit especially six villages or so six of the 30 were really in really affected um, the, the flood just flooding the villages it got rid of their rice fields their their banana plantain fields um, yucca fields and those are the main staples and it just wiped everything out these people were really suffering for the bare minimum necessity the staples uh of food and um we just 
wrote, I made a video about it. Maybe some of you saw these villages are flooded. And, and without even pressuring or asking a lot for people, uh, something like $10,000 was sent without even asking for it from different people. Some people here sent money. I think the, the, the assembly sent some money. Uh, I'll have to look it up exactly. But uh, just seeing how the Lord provided for that, and I was able to buy literally something five or six tons of food and I went into these six different villages and I, I'd arrive in this boat with just tons of food and I walk up into the village and started screaming like a madman the Lord Jesus Christ loves you he's provided for your needs come to the evangelical church to listen to a message and then receive the blessing from Jesus Christ and everybody, all of the villages know me. Everybody knows me in the villages. A lot of people, they all like to come and hear me preach. Uh, most of them will, will mock. But they at least uh, in the villages, there's basically, there's not electricity. There's no running water, no internet. Basically, the thing to do there for entertainment, people get drunk, they fornicate, and fight. And uh, to hear a good sermon every once in a while is really exciting for them. So they'll... <laughs> They come and they'll all gather around and sometimes they'll mock and, uh, and throw tomatoes and things, but uh, it is so exciting to see how the Lord provides. And these people would come and I got to give a ration to every single family, uh, that it, whether believers or unbelievers, everybody got the same ration. It was so exciting to see people with tears in their eyes. I remember several people saying, what the government of Peru hasn't done, the believers in Jesus Christ have. It was a tremendous testimony. So thank you to some of you who, who gave to that. Just seeing how the Lord's provided in so many different ways. Oh, I could give story after story, but I, I'm probably already going over time. I don't know, and I still have five more points. This is just the introduction. So, uh, I, Here's a quote by Hudson Taylor. He said, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. God's work done in God's way will never lack lack God's supply. It's true, and I don't want to presume I'm doing everything in God's way. I pray that, that we are, we're trying to, but seeing how the Lord's provided uh, without, uh, without even asking, it, it has been so miraculous and so encouraging to see that the Lord provides. Um, the second part of 35, verse 35 and on, it says others, the whole thing hinges, this passage on others. These first, first group of people, unbelievable. Through faith subdued kingdoms, works righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, all this victory in the name of the Lord. And then, in the middle of 35, others. It all hinges on that word. Others. Everything changes right there. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. I am always so amazed right there where it says they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, and they were slain with the sword. Tempted is sandwiched between sawn in two and slain with the sword. Which one doesn't fit here? It's like being tempted is on the same plane of trial as being sawn in two alive or slain with the sword. It's on the same plane right there. Being tempted, the next time you're tempted, think, this is serious. 
This is very serious. I am being tempted right now. This is a trial on par with being sawn in two. The Hebrew history has Isaiah as being stuffed in a hollowed out log by the servants of King Amaziah and sawn, the log was sawn in two with him inside, alive, screaming. Can you imagine that? Yet in the passage, it seems like it's talking by faith. These guys did these things. This is something these guys encountered by faith. This is victory. Yeah. I'm not going to say the second half is failure. The first half is is success. The second half is failure. No. The second half, it's victory also. Suffering for the Lord, but being victorious in that suffering. The health and wealth gospel preaches that if you're living a life following the Lord, there isn't sin in your life, you're going to be healthy and wealthy. The gospel that we see in the Bible is more like if God can be more glorified in me making you healthy and wealthy, so be it. But if God can be more glorified by God making you into dust, grinding you into powder, so be it. That second, the flip side of the coin there is a little bit harder to say. Lord, if you can be more glorified, pounding me into the ground, making me suffer, so be it. Pound me into the ground so that Christ's name might be glorified. You don't really want to pray that. Suffering for the Lord. We <laughs> haven't, haven't so, uh, I don't want to say that we've suffered a lot. Um, Tuesday is lice day at home. Uh, we've really battled lice in the jungle. We're, we Don't worry, we don't have lice right now. Uh, Amy, Amy's, it's, it's, it's the bane in Amy's life. She's, she's just trying to find, there's always lice and, and trying to get rid of the, she's probably embarrassed that I'm saying this. I probably shouldn't say that anymore. Um, I have had dengue. Almost died of dengue. Meningitis. Wanting to die of meningitis. Intestinal parasite where I lost like 40 pounds and I couldn't get rid of it for about four months. Um, walking between villages. Once we walked between villages, um, it, was, uh, it was about four hours the first day and the second, second day it was about 10. And we got to this village finally after slogging through the mud, crossing rivers. It was up and down. It was difficult, carrying a heavy pack the whole way. And I have this picture with several of the brothers and sisters that went along. It's of their feet with uh, broken open blisters on the bottom of their feet. People had bloody feet and the pus and the blood and, and people were crying on this, on this trip. It, it was difficult, but it was awesome going and suffering to get to the next village to make Christ's name great in the next village. Suffering for the Lord. Some of the people that we work with, I sit sometimes down with the brothers and we, we started this Bible Institute along, along the river and it's kind of a traveling institute. We pick a different village to do it in each time and, and a lot of times um, I'll pick up the, the brothers. It's about 15 brothers or so leaders in the villages and um, we'll meet in one village and then we'll just go from village to village to village. Um, and I'll teach usually during the day about eight hours, whatever course we're going through and then in the, in the evenings, each of the guys in, uh, in the school go 
two by two, hut to hut, and then we have an open air meeting in the, in the evening. But sometimes I'm sitting with these guys, and I just think of who I'm sitting with. The, these people, one of them was on Peru's most wanted list. I don't, he might still be on it. He broke out of jail a few years ago and was hiding out in the village. And when I preached the gospel in his village a few years ago, he came to faith in Christ. And before that, he, he got a woman and he had a couple of kids and then he gets saved. The Lord's transformed his life completely. His littlest boy is named Micaeus. In all these villages, my name is Micaeus. And all these, there's something like maybe 10 or 15 little Micaeuses in, in the villages that I visit. All of them are six years or, or younger. We've been in Peru for 15 years or four, 14 uh, years or so and uh, uh, six or so in the, in the jungle. And uh, it's been so exciting to see how the Lord has, has opened up doors. And Anyway, this guy escaping from jail. There are a lot of people in these villages that have just, they're escaping. They've, they've murdered somebody. And they escape the law to hide out in these villages that are deep in the jungle. Or maybe the mafia is after them and they're hiding out in the village. Uh, there's all kinds of different people. But I sit, just sitting there at the dinner table sometimes, there's nothing better than sitting at the dinner table. It's just a, a, a really rustic wooden table. Uh, there's rats crawling over, the, over your head in the rafters, a thatched roof up there. And uh, it smells bad. They... A lot of them cuss and swear, and they don't even know that those are bad words. Uh, these people, they smell, they have, they have bad manners, they drink yucca spit juice. It's the, the women in the village, it always seems like it's the, a woman with three or four teeth left in her mouth, and she chews on this yucca root, and she spits it into this big pot, and with the, the enzymes from your saliva, it kind of ferments the whole mash, and in a couple of days, that's your Red Bull. It gives you lots of energy. It is, you've got to drink it, and... Uh, but the, the worms that you, that you eat and uh, the, the, the brains and um, half, almost, almost every village I go to, half the people are drunk. They're just constantly drunk. They mock. Um, they're dirty and they're smelling. They're smelly. These are, are people and I sometimes just sit back and I just, I don't want to be here today. I don't like these people. Sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes. And then other times, like, man, these are the best people in the world. This is, God has put me in the, in the ultimate paradise, preaching the gospel to people that just, I can't hardly relate with them. But on the other side, I can totally relate, relate with them. I love them. Second Corinthians 11. I love this passage. I'm going to try to quote this. I have it in ESV, and I have the New King James right here in front of me. 2 Corinthians 11, Paul says this, I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments. I'm already messing up. Far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys. In dangers from rivers. In dangers from robbers. In dangers from my own people. In dangers from the Gentiles. In dangers from... No, in dangers in the city, dangers 
in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, in toil and in hardship, often without sleep, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on on me of my anxiety for all the churches. And you think of all the things that Paul suffered to make Christ's name great. All of those terrible and horrible things. And yeah, some nights I don't sleep very much, especially on the river trips. And sometimes you don't eat very much, or at least you don't eat very good. If you want to lose weight, come on a, on a river trip with me. You come back lighter. Uh, and, and the difficulties, and the, the, it's interesting, Paul there in the last verse talks about, and the pressure, the anxiety on me of my, of my anxiety for all of the churches. I'm basically trying to, to pastor or, or, or shepherd 30 churches in 30 villages. And, and, it, and often, sometimes you hear about there's a church division. Uh, or there's a false teaching that's cropping up in, in one of the villages. Uh, or, or somebody's coming along trying to make uh, dirty my name. And, and the, the different... Uh, sometimes you just want to throw in the towel. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and thinking about what Paul went through to make Christ's name great. And then the risks that you take. Risk is Right. We've only been, we've been in the States now for four weeks. We arrived just four weeks ago, and it is night and day coming from Peru. You come into the States, and there is insurance for everything. You can insure your toaster. You can insure your refrigerator. You, you can insure everything. It's amazing. We don't want to be at risk of anything. But risk is right. Read the Bible. This passage here, Hebrews 11. And what more shall I say for the time we fail me to tell? And he goes on, all these guys, these guys took risks to make their God's name great wherever they were at. Unbelievable. Let me read you a list of how some of the, the um, pillars of the primitive church died. Philip was crucified in A.D. 54. In A.D. 60, Matthew was beheaded. A.D. 64, Barnabas was burned at the stake. A.D. 64, Mark was dragged to death behind a horse. A.D. 66, James was clubbed to death. This is after they had thrown him off the pinnacle of the temple. He, he, he cracked his head open below and didn't die, so they killed him with clubs. A.D. 66, Paul was beheaded. A.D. 69, Peter was crucified, but upside down. Can you imagine trying to breathe and all of the pressure of the blood in your body running to your head? Your head would explode and trying to breathe at the same time. Andrew, in the year A.D. 70, crucified also. Thomas, in India, was speared to death in A.D. 70. A.D. 93, Luke was hanged. A.D. 93, around in there, they're not sure, John, the Apostle John on the island of Patmos, after writing the, the letter of, of Revelation, he was boiled alive in oil. 
thinking what these men were willing to die for, if they had fabricated the idea that Jesus had risen from the dead, at the moment when they're about to, do you really believe in this Jesus? We're going to boil you in oil if you do. That's when you say, oh no, I was just joking. I made that up. If you made it up. They were willing to say, it's true. It's true. Christ is risen. I don't care if you saw me in half alive. He's risen and He's my Savior. What are you willing to suffer for Christ's name? On the video there, I tried to show the, the video of the one, one guy letting another guy down into a septic tank on a rope. And this isn't my illustration. This is an illustration from a missionary heart, heart Cry Missionary Society. And, and they use this illustration where a guy's going down into a septic tank. One guy is letting the other guy down. The guy going down into the septic tank is like the missionary. He's going in. It's going to be a dirty, stinky, horrible job possibly down there. And he's going to suffer. But the guy that's supporting him at the top, he's letting him down, holding on to the rope. And he's going to end up with some scars on his hands. Either the guy going down or the guy supporting the guy going down. Missions is going to cost you something. What has missions cost you? And I'm not talking about just, you know, support me. Go support someone else. Support someone else. Or, 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 or missions here in, in this neighborhood. Uh, missions to make Christ's name great out of this church. What has missions cost you? One, one last section here. I, I have no idea what time I started or when I'm supposed to stop. Sorry. I know we all want to eat ice cream, but I don't see anybody asleep yet, so don't have to let the snake go yet. Just look at the last two verses. This is extremely interesting to me, especially, especially verse 40. It says, And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, all the people mentioned before, through faith, they've obtained a good testimony, whether it's in, in victory or in suffering. A good testimony. They made Christ's name great, whether it was in victory for the Lord or it was in suffering for the Lord. They did not receive the promise. This, I'm not sure what it's talking about. It seems like to me in context, the promise is, the promise of a glorified body. These men and women are in heaven, but they don't have the glorified body yet. I, th I think that because of what it says in verse 40, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. That they will one day be made perfect as in soul, spirit, body, reunited in the resurrection. On resurrection day with the rest of us. But look at that. It says God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. It's like they're waiting for us. They're waiting for you. We just saw their story, how some of them were victorious and some of them suffered, but it was all to make their God's name great in the world in which they lived. That's in the past. Now, they're waiting for you. They're waiting for me. I want to get into heaven with those guys clapping another one comes in oh don't clap for me all right you can clap if you want but not for me uh but to come into and how much better the applause of jesus christ himself well done good and faithful servant 
and seeing and meeting all these other men and women who through faith did all these great things, living for the Lord, whether it cost them their life, whether they were sawn in two or hanged, or whether they lived to an old age preaching the gospel. I think of Bert Elliott. Bert Elliott was Jim Elliott's brother. You know of Jim Elliott, the five missionary Ecuador, uh, uh, martyrs in Ecuador some 50 years ago. Bert Elliott went with his wife, Colleen Elliott, to Peru even before Jim Elliott went. They went in 1949 to Peru and the Lord used them to start something like 120 churches up and down. It was some, half of those in, in, in the jungle, half of those in the mountains, a few more uh, on the coast. But seeing this guy, Bert, in his youth, he went to Peru when he was 24 years old, and in the energies of his youth, he preached the gospel. He was a wild man, going from village to village, preaching the gospel, hiking between villages, swimming rivers. They had a boat. They did everything possible to make Christ's name great in the energies of youth and able to do that. When he gets a little bit older, he's not able to make those trips anymore. They move to the coast where it's a little bit more comfortable. They have a more comfortable house, but still, now it's not going and walking these long distances and open air preaching. Now it's home Bible studies. Uh, when we first went to Peru about 14, 15 years ago, home Bible studies, almost every single night, they had their, their uh, well, either in their house or someone else's house, a Bible study. Crowded people in there. 50 people coming to their Bible study, listening to him teach the Bible. And then he gets a little bit older. Now he can't have a Bible study. He just basically can sit in his chair and he can pray for you and give advice as he gets into his 80s. And there was a long line of people coming to his door and they would come for advice or for prayer. And then he even gets, now he's 85, 86. Now he almost can't talk. He's so sick. But people coming to him. And I remember I, I was with him in his last days and I'd spend the night with him there helping him every couple hours. He needed to get up off of his chair and I'd pick him up and we'd kind of dance like this. He had to stretch his legs. And I would pray for him. And, and I'd read psalms or quote passages. And he would just be there. All he could say was, Amen. But what an encouragement it was to me and other people that came to visit him. Here you've got a guy who in, in his youth, wild men for Christ's glory. After that, he slows down in his twilight years, but still, he's giving everything that he can. And then up to his very last days, he can't even talk anymore. But he's still saying, Amen. Living to the very last drop of life for Christ. Man, if that's what it means to get old for the Lord, oh, bring it on. I want to get old. Old and, and wise, but people coming for advice and then praying for them and until when you can't even talk anymore. These people in Hebrews 11, verses 39 to 40, they're waiting for men and women in our generation that are going to continue on living for the Lord, making Christ's name great in this world in which we now live. Let me read this. Life is too short and hell is too hot to just play church. It is easy to get into a rut and just play church. We started a church in Tarapoto, and it is easy. in our We have meetings Wednesday night, Friday night, Saturday youth, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Those are our meetings, and we, everybody just goes. We do our thing, and it's easy just to get into a rut and forget about the lost around us. Once again, 
Life is too short and hell is too hot to just play church. Let me read another quote. Robert Moffat, this was a missionary to uh, Africa. He's the guy that uh, invited um, David Livingston. He said, Oh, that I had a thousand lives and a thousand bodies. All of them should be devoted to no other employment than to preach Christ and Christ alone. And then you all know of Jim Elliot's famous famous statement, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You can't keep your life. You're going to die one day or Christ will come, but you can't keep your life. You might as well give it for something that you can't lose. If you're saved, really saved, you can't lose your citizenship in heaven. You might as well give everything that you have in this life for what you already have in the next life investing in eternity. And so, I guess, maybe this offends, maybe this could offend some people. Is the church here fulfilling its potential? Just in in ministry here, are you fulfilling your potential? Are there believers, brothers and sisters with gifts and abilities that aren't giving everything or or maybe aren't giving anything you've got gifts and abilities get into service in the church here find the ministry maybe the lord's calling some to missions maybe you've never felt called to missions but tonight you're starting to think maybe mike and amy need help in tarapoto maybe the lord's calling you to missions let me read this i love this quote william carey he said this He's called the father of modern missions. said this, I'm not afraid of failing. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. That is really good. I rem- that's, that's what, it was the last straw for me about 16 years ago, sitting on the back porch of our house. We were having a barbecue and I was just sitting there. We have a house, a couple cars, had a career, making pretty good money. And I just thought, I'm not afraid of failing in the ministry. At least, at least try. You know what I'm really afraid of is succeeding at things that don't matter. And I'm not saying that working a secular job and being successful in that is, is, is something bad. There are, we know a lot of people here in the United States that are working hard in their secular job and they are going for it for the Lord serving in their local assembly, their church, supporting missions in one way or another, trying to share the gospel with co-workers. Uh, but just think about it. Where are you at with that? I'm not afraid of failing. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. One last quote. This, generation's of, this generation of Christians is, is responsible for this generation of souls. Let me read the passage one more time. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, of Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. 
Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. They're waiting for you. They're waiting for me. I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding things that don't matter. Let's pray. Father God, thank You for Your Word. This passage in Hebrews 11 that inspires us, spurs us on to live as strangers and aliens and pilgrims here on this earth, here for such a short time in comparison to eternity. What are we doing with our lives? God, I waste, I waste so much time. Oh, Pray that you'd help us, help me, just to make Christ's name great wherever I'm at. Wherever we're at, Lord, just we pray that we might be your instruments useful in your hands. God, take away a pride. If you need to just smash us into the ground so that Christ would be glorified, I pray that you'd do that. We look to Christ and Christ alone. Don't care about numbers and outward results. Just care about Christ being glorified and magnified. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we just want to add to uh, prayer that Micah just prayed for us. Our Father, we just... Uh, we trust that we've been moved tonight, moved in our innermost hearts and our souls to serve the living Christ, the one who gave his all for us. We thank you for all these examples, the Apostle Paul and Peter and all these others, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Thomas, and Bartholomew, and their example, living for Christ, even to the point of death, Lord, huh. We don't even come close to that. Forgive us for being weak in our testimony and, and lethargic in the way we live for you. Light us on fire, Lord. Move us in our heart and our soul to serve you, to trust you. Help us to help Micah and Amy, too. If there's someone here that's moved by you, may it be that they come forward to help out. We love you. We thank you for your word that's given to us. May we hold your word precious and pick up your, your word every day to learn more about you, to grow in Christ. Thank you for this time and this refreshment. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. So we can